0: Hello and welcome to the SUGC podcast. My name's Gareth Shaw, social media and marketing support at SUGC and I'd like to introduce to my left is Malcolm Eustace, County Secretary. Malcolm, good evening, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much for putting this together. No worries at all and our very very special Christmas guest, Mr Richard Mansell. Good evening sir, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, very good. Do I, do I kind of say European tour graduates, European tour superstar? What, what, do, what do we call you these days?
1: Just a local lad from Birtwood, I think. That's
0: what we <laughs> like, to That's what I like to hear. Thank you for your time tonight. And tonight's just going to be very much in conversation, talking and taking the audience through some really kind of poignant moments of the last few years for you and looking forward into 2021. Just to kind of kick us off, Richard, just take us through the kind of the journey you've gone into from very much kind of early stages right through to where you are now ready for the European tour next year.
1: Yeah. So, um, I started golf when I was, I think it was nine, Mm -hmm. um, started out at the chase golf club, just went down my dad. Um, he used to be in a society. Um, and I, I played football like a lot of kids and, um, loved football, that was my first passion, thought I was better than it, uh, thought I was better at football than golf, and um, everyone else was kind of telling me that I wasn't, so that was a bit, that was like my first ever heartbreak, because football was my first love, um, and then I think when I was kind of 12, I remember there was a turning point, and um, I was playing in the Staffordshire Boys at Samwell, and I think I was up 21 handicapped, at 12. And, um, I just, I played because, well, I don't know. My dad just sent me into the staffs boys. I've never played in anything kind of above like my junior comps at, um, the club at the time. And, um, I ended up winning the net by quite a lot of shots. I think I shot about seven or eight over gross my second round off 21. And, um, yeah, got, quite a big cut and uh, it was Les Burleson at the time who was my coach and um, he picked me for the Staffordshire under 14s um, in, a, in a match against Derbyshire at Ashbourne and I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I've still got the picture, I have my pencil bag on, the Staffordshire uniform that didn't fit me because I was the smallest 12-year-old in the world um, and um, I was our 15 handicap and I remember the, the four... The three other under-14 players were Lewis Birchall, who I think at the time was off three or four. There was Rob Burleson, who was off about the same. And then there was a a kid called Joe Dean, who was a year older than me from Oxley Park. He was off seven. And then there was me off 15 just there. And I was like, I was thinking, this is ridiculous. I remember we played the Derbyshire lads. And um, I think their highest handicap was probably seven. And uh, I remember winning the the foursomes with Joe. I think we won three and two. And then I remember playing my singles match against a kid off seven. And obviously it's off scratch. And I think I won six and five. Um, so it was obviously a 15 handicap that wasn't a 15 handicap. And then that was kind of um, the start of my Staffordshire career, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that give you the kick handi- start to get your handicap down? Yeah, that was just when I started taking golf seriously. Like I say, mm-hmm. I mean... I as a kid my handicap was high and I probably was better than that but I just didn't take it because I played football as well Mm -hmm. um so then I kind of when I got picked for the county the first time my dad kind of said to me like you can carry on doing both if you want or if you want to if you want to kind of do one and take it seriously you Mm -hmm. probably now is the time to probably choose and he he wasn't pushy at all. My dad's always been very good like that. He kind of, I'm sure if I did pick football, it would have broken his heart because he would have had to be there on a weekend standing on the side <laughs> in the cold and being miserable. But, um, and my dad obviously loved golf as well. So he was happy with that. And, um, yeah, I did have a little stumble in the road a couple of years after that. Um, like I'm sure a lot of people do, which I'll, I'll go into more, mm. but, um, yeah, that's that was kind of how it all started, really.
0: Cool, well, Malcolm. What was your first memories of, of seeing Richard at Beau Design?
2: Well, he he he's had a, a reputation for being a good golfer for a very very long time. My my, my first meeting with uh, with Richard was uh, was on a, a Saturday or a Sunday at Beau where me and somebody else put our name down to play with with uh, Richard and his dad John. Um, I think uh, it became pretty damn clear from the first stroke of the day who was the good golfer and who was the not so good golfer. Mm-hmm. But Rich, Richard's uh, a phenomenal talent. He, he always has been. But I think also as well, what most people would say about Richard is he's a genuinely nice guy. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, he's, he's a credit to, uh, to Bodhishek Golf Club, he's a credit to Staffordshire Golf and he's a credit to his family.
0: Yeah, and, and just to give everybody who's listening and watching an insight that, that Richard could only fit us in tonight. We're recording this in the evening because of the dedication, the hard work he's putting in, getting ready for 2021. So that's an amazing kind of, um, kind of work ethic, Richard. And that, has that always been with you? Kind of taking you through your career, that kind of real, I'm going to put the work in, I'm going to get to where I want to be.
1: Yeah, I just, I've, I've kind of never... I mean, my, I, my dad honestly is one of my, well, both parents, but obviously um, I've got three sisters and me and my dad have kind of always just had that bond with golf as well. And um, my parents, they've, they've got their own business and I've kind of just always looked up to them. And I know people, my, my parents do well for themselves and I, people just see that who don't know them but they don't know what they had to sacrifice at the start to kind of get to that point and to be able to provide for me and my sisters and me to be able to do what I do now. Um, So I just, I kind of get it. And I think I've kind of learned that off my dad. I mean, I know my dad wouldn't mind me saying this, but a lot of people don't know, but he was, he was like living on the streets when he was his late teens and had nothing. Um, Mm. Didn't have the best relationship with, with his family, which is why, He's been so generous to us uh, because he never wanted us to go through that. Um, they kind of, my parents sacrificed everything to start their business up. And I know like me and my, my sister's childhood, we barely saw parents because they were 24 seven and my dad was um, nursing at the nursing home. So it was kind of just like, I think that kind of, if you want something, you've got to earn it and go and get it. Attitude was kind of installed in me at a young age. Yes, I've been very lucky to have um, be able to go to America and play a game that a lot of families a can't afford to do, and mm. b, yeah, I mean, my dad has always helped me with if I need to see a coach. He's he's always provided that for me, and like I say, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for that. But um, I've also, when I've been given those opportunities, I've really tried to kind of take advantage of them and not. I don't wanna look back in five, 10 years time and think, oh, I could have worked harder and um, I could have, or I regret this or regret that. I don't really wanna have them regrets. And you're obviously gonna have some things that you think, yeah, I could have done that a little bit differently, but as long as you learn from it. And um, like I said, that's just kind of my take on it. Um, yeah, like I say, at the minute it's hard with winter golf in the UK is, is quite miserable, isn't it? It's um, especially everything that's going on at the minute. Mm um the weather we've got it's it is so like I say I mean I had a lesson earlier um and when I can kind of practice in the light I want to do as much as I can kind of thing because yeah next year is a big year for me it's still I haven't got to do anything different of what I've done it's just a case of the hard work starts now kind of thing and I've, I've always worked hard but I definitely can't lay off the gas now I'm kind of it's like i say when i was a kid that having my first out in for staffordshire golf when i chose to take it seriously it was like i mean that you first dream of becoming a professional golfer and then mm. playing on the european tour or something and now that's happened it's kind of like well right you you, you haven't achieved you haven't achieved you have achieved a goal and then it's like right what what's what's next kind of thing and you have to always keep thinking that way and um yeah it's an exciting journey that i'm on and like i said there's been a lot of a lot of people, including yourself, Gareth, who've helped me along the way, and um, Malcolm, obviously at the club, and everyone at Staffordshire Golf, which is why when you guys asked me, it was it was a privilege and it was the least I could do, really, because especially Staffordshire Golf was a huge part of my growing up. Um, a lot of amateurs. There was there was probably people at the time who thought there was people the similar age, same age to me, who were probably better um, yeah. as a kid. Um, Rob Burleson played for England. There was, there was other people off low handicaps. And um, that, was, that was just how it was. I always wanted to play for England growing up and mm. never really quite did got that chance. And I was always kind of on the verge, but I think as a junior golfer, I was a little bit, um, I probably didn't have the best attitude. I was probably a bit too full of myself sometimes um and I needed to mature really and that I think that actually really held me back as a kid and probably all I wanted to do was play for England instead of just playing golf for me and caring about what I did kind of thing and um now 10 years on kind of thing I kind of get that um but at the time it was like all I wanted to do and that stopped me and then I always seemed to do quite well when I played for the county and I was um then when I was made county captain it was all we had an amazing team and um then it's kind of just every year since then I feel like I've got a bit better it hasn't been a massive to me to other people it may seem that way that oh, you've had a big jump but to me it hasn't been like that at all in the I'd say in the probably since I was 17 years old I don't feel like it's I've just, I just feel like I've gradually got better and better and that's um one of my biggest kind of things that I pride myself on to be honest.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: how did the how did the county kind of prepare you for life as a professional? What, what what was the kind of involvement there?
1: Um I think just surrounding yourself with people who wanted to do this we all had the same dream. Mm-hmm. Um we all wanted to push each other. Obviously in Staffordshire, my kind of age group we had we had a lot of good players and um, I think I remember us being at the 10 counties under 16s and our worst handicap, our worst handicap was scratch. And at under 16, that was like really good, (laughs) like really, really good. Um, Sorry. Was it under 18s? Is it 10? I think it was under 18. Sorry. Um, Anyway, but we had a lot of plus handicap players and we all used to push each other and, um, yeah, and then just like you say, we went to nationals, and um, I was lucky to be in that age group really, where everyone was was very good. And um, obviously, I mean, guys like Roger Waite, Jim Whitehouse, uh, Mike Tunnicliffe. There was there was more, but that at the time, they literally used to. They were like, <laughs> they were all like my like granddad in a weird in a weird way. And, I hope I haven't um insulted them by saying that, but it was that's generally how it kind of felt. and um i, I was I was genuinely proud to play for Staffordshire and I loved it every single time. so um, yeah, that was it was quite a cool thing
0: for me. Awesome. Next steps for you then after kind of county. was there a crossroads? there was a decision what to do next? Was there a what was your kind of thought process?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so. Like, like I touched on, I mean, I, I always really wanted to play for England. I really just, it was just, I, I don't know what it was. I think possibly the fact that there was a couple of other lads similar age to me, Cameron mm-hmm. Long, Rob Burleson, who had played for them. And I was I was jealous, to be honest, um, because I I felt like I was good at, as I was just as good as them. Um, and I, I did really well for the county, but then I just always used to get in my own way when, playing in like the national tournaments in the UK and things like that. And I played okay in some and um, I just put too much pressure on myself, basically, and never achieved what I wanted to achieve. And then, um, but from a young age, I always kind of knew I wanted to go to America. Um, Don't know what it was. Um, When I was, I think I was probably 14, my dad took me on a pro-am to TPC Sawgrass. Um, And it was one of the, like, best golfing weeks of my life we've both got pictures and talk about it now but uh, it was the first kind of taste I've I've had of golf in America and um just loved it out there and I kind of with the way I played golf especially as a junior I was rubbish at Lynx golf like rubbish how I played I hit it quite high quite far and um hence why I didn't do very well in the UK because a lot of our national tournaments were kind of mm-hmm. on Lynx courses so probably why I never got picked for England and stuff, but uh, just thought I'd probably do quite well in America. And um, obviously you go out there, you've got, it's the land of opportunity. Um, I wanted to go somewhere with great weather. Um, And it was just another step up from the county. It was the same kind of environment. You've got another team of guys, all similar age trying to do the same thing. And, um, but also you're getting your degree at the same time. And it's, it's, there, the opportunity is there if you if you're willing to put the work in, and um, there's there is guys who go and have kind of horror stories and really struggle because it is. There's no denying that it's it's tough. You go there as yeah. an 18 year old, and I mean, you, I mean, me personally, before I went, I was so used to kind of my parents doing everything for me, um, driving me around the country to kind of play tournaments, paying entry fees, coaching fees, everything like that, getting home, mom cooking dinner, just doing your washing all and it's all of that stuff. And all of a sudden you're out in America and it sounds ridiculous, but you've got to, you've got to grow up and you've Mm got to learn to do all that stuff yourself. And I think that was the turning point for me where I kind of, I did, I, I changed and I, I became a lot mature and, and I think that helped my golf. And then I didn't worry about playing for England because all of a sudden I was playing in America and I did, I, 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 really did well in America. And, um, that kind of then set me up to where I am now. Um, every year out there, I always wanted to pride myself on being the hardest worker. I was fortunate enough to be on a very good team. Uh, we had quite a lot of success and I knew that if I just worked my ass off, basically, cause I had the facilities and the opportunity to do that, um, I could probably achieve some stuff, and um, like I say, I mean, it's it's been a huge part of my journey
0: to where I am now. And imagine the competitive golf out there, NCAA kind of championship side of things. It it is very competitive. That like you said. About yeah. What was the step up like from county to collegiate golf?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, it's a step up. I think the diff. I think the difference was. Again, I go back to the England golf thing, but. Mm-hmm. When I when I played in the UK, it was kind of like everyone knows everyone.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, if you're a you know all the names, you know. oh, he's good. He's everyone knows everything about mm-hmm. everyone. You know, because we're quite small, mm-hmm. and um, that kind of. So I get to an event, and everyone in the UK, you'd know who the England team were because they'd they'd have their England stuff, and it would it would mm-hmm. intimidate you if you weren't on it. Um, I mean, out there, flipping it. There's just there's it opened up because there's that many good golfers, mm-hmm. that many. I played with so many people who people had never heard of, and it's like wow, he's just shot 64, or what? And it was just it just taught you to kind of switch off from everyone else, just focus on yourself, um and basically say like, I, I did kind of have the attitude of, well, I'm going to make them regret me not ever playing for England kind of thing. That was my kind of mindset and um, it was just yeah there's that many good players and you travel the country and you get used to doing that and it's just it's just on another level like a big a much wider spread and um, like you say you get used to traveling and um, training in the gym obviously you're kind of becoming an adult now the step up from junior golf to becoming that so um, people are hitting it further you've got your routines and you are, you kind of have to act as though you're a professional. Um, And then obviously manage keeping your grades up because if you don't, then you can't travel and everyone wants to travel. So you're doing a degree at the same time. So like you say, it just teaches you a lot of life lessons, but um, the the opportunity is there if you want to put the work in. I mean, I know a lot of players who I thought he's so talented and you wonder like, how is he not kind of kicked on? And my, they might, but my only kind of, the way I see it is he he couldn't have wanted it enough or he he didn't want to put the work in. And like you say, when you kind of go from 17 to 18, there's a lot of things that can kind of uh, get in the way. People people start drinking, going out and it's hard to kind of stay motivated because it is, it is lonely. Um, But I think if you want to be successful at anything, you've got to make those sacrifices and prepare to kind of, Be comfortable being lonely and i'm still when i'm out there it's everyone sees the success and everyone sees what you they just all everyone sees is what you've shot Mm -hmm. that's that's it and where you finished in the tournament but they don't know like i said i mean i'm sitting literally next to my gym that i've got at my house now and i've i've just come out of it and i train i'm training non-stop i'm i am putting the hours in because and it's if it wasn't for that stuff you can't have the good things and it mm. it never gets it basically never gets easier i spoke to a lot of very successful people in golf and a lot of stuff and they just say it it doesn't get easier kind of thing and and but i i also enjoy that side of it and yeah. i think you have to learn to kind of do that so
0: Talk to us yeah. about you, your kind of day-to-day routine, Rich. What What does that involve? What, what time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? What's in between?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've flirted with a different stuff. I think routines are absolutely key to anything. I don't think there's a right and wrong. Um, mm-hmm. During the first, like, I mean, this year has been, it's been tough. I mean, it's been tough for everyone. Whatever you do, um, people have struggled, and I think, it's fair enough that people have struggled. I mean, the uncertainty of knowing, and I I've, I got to the point where I really struggled getting excited to, for tournaments because I'd been let down mm. so much that tournaments been canceled kind of thing. So yeah. it was kind of like I had to change my mindset in terms of actually let's just keep a level head, keep working hard. And if you go, then great. And it's an opportunity. And if you don't, well, you kind of expect it to not go because like you said, there's more important things going on in the world. So yeah, for me at the minute, I'm actually taking, um, I was doing, uh, I think called the 5am club where I was getting up at five first hour of my day. I was first, It sounds ridiculous, but I was first 20 minutes, um, exercise to kind of get my heart rate up next 20 minutes was, um, kind of like a, Self-reflection, where I write a little journal and just kind of reminders of stuff and how I'm feeling. Just can be anything. Next 20 minutes um, is kind of like the learning phase, where I might listen to a podcast, read read a book I'm reading, um, and then have some breakfast. Like to go out with a dog, um, and I did that for probably about two months. And I quickly realised that it was great, but I I, I couldn't keep it up because I, I don't get to bed early enough to do that, mm. and I didn't want to start doing that because I've got I'm I'm living with my fiance and she gets home from work, and actually on the nights so I also enjoy sitting down watching TV with her before and and having I enjoyed that side of life mm. as well. So I soon realised that if I wanted to kind of have a successful relationship which i definitely do i couldn't just be purely 5am club going to bed at nine o'clock like so strict on everything so like i say i flirt with that it didn't work right now i am a bit more relaxed i kind of um get up probably at half six um i'll have some make some breakfast mobility absolutely every single morning um take the dog out and then Depends what I've got on, but um, go to golf first. When I'm at golf, I will never go to the golf club without knowing what I'm going to do that day. Um, so there's no – I don't have a thing where it's on a Monday I'm doing this and a Tuesday I'm doing this and a Wednesday I'm doing this. It kind of depends where I'm at with my game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously I look at my stats. I look at what I'm good at at the minute, what I'm um, not as good at. Obviously going over, going off this past year – um, I can kind of hands down say, and my stats prove it, that my off the tee, my tee ball is world class. I know that that is, I hit it long enough. Yes, I play with people who hit it longer than me, but in terms of my accuracy and length, that isn't a part of my game that I need to work on this winter. So that's, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go down that phase that everyone else is trying to bulk up and hit it miles and chase 200 mile an hour ball speed. That's, that's not what's going to make me win on tour. So that's, that's good enough. Yes, I've got to keep that. My approach play from 130 to, well, over 130, I will hand us I do. I, I gain all the time. It is it is world class. So 130 and in, well, no, it's not good enough. It's simp- It simply wasn't good enough this year. Um, there was times when it was good enough. Um, but in terms of consistency and kind of going off my stats well if I'm so good off the tee and I'm quite long I'm going to have a lot of those shots Mm -hmm. and if they're not good enough then you're kind of wasting being so good off the tee so it's it's just working out and I've kind of so right now I am focusing on them scoring clubs so what I'd like to do is anything that I'm at is my biggest focus and priority well just get that done first so make sure like you say you can tick that off right I've done what I needed to do um lucky enough to kind of have track man and I I have loads of practice routines, games that I do Um, Malcolm probably knows, he's always told me but my putting as well Um, I'm better than I used to be but again it's still something that I just want to get a bit more consistency with and I'm working on it and I'm not a bad putter at all, some people tell me an amazing putter but they might be the one they've played me once when a whole, the world. And sometimes that does happen, but, um, I just think I'll have a bit more success. Um, if I can just find a bit more consistent with that. So again, one thirty and in and with the putter is my kind of 75% of my practice at the minute. Um, Mm. and then I am, I'm lucky enough, like I said, I've, I've recently moved house and I, I transformed my garage into a gym. So I've got that at home. Don't have to go down local gyms now and risk, um (laughs) kind of being around everyone that was something i wanted to do so um i'm very into that side of things and I, i work with my um trainer andy caldwell and physio as well um so i've got my program in place there but kind of my routine does does change but i've always got a routine there's no kind of just winging it for me because like i say i mean I'm a professional golfer. I have to act like a professional, mm-hmm. so I think that's very important. I know a lot of people, friends who are pros as well, who don't, and I just see that. I think that's kind of the difference why I've managed to kind of keep raising the bar and mm-hmm. kind of keep improving. And I think, I think anything in life, if you want to have success, you just need to be consistent.
0: Yeah, you talked about kind of climbing that ladder from from collegiate golf into the, then the professional ranks. One. Very very quickly on on the Euro Pro, um, then into into Challenge Tour, now onto the European Tour. As you said, what what did make that difference? Was it the fact that that you kind of really understood how to play on tour very quickly, or was that a learning experience you went along?
1: Um, I think yeah, I think I just really wanted to. I, I actually remember the turning point of my first year on EuroPro like it was yesterday. I was chatting to a guy called James Roof, who um, has been on tour before, but he's a P- now PGA Pro and plays a bit of EuroPro. And um, I remember chatting to him. And I started out in 17 and I was on EuroPro. No, yeah, eight, 2018. So uh, I turned Pro 2017, 17, went to Q School, got my card for EuroPro in 2018 so my first year and um, at the start I was just putting so much pressure on myself to kind of do well and score. And um, I wasn't, I was actually, I felt like I was playing quite well, but not getting the results I wanted. And he kind of just chatted to me about that. And um, I was definitely like I say, how I used to be trying to play for England golf, too much pressure, all of that. And um, changed my mindset. And then, I mean, people who don't know Euro pro top five, On the Order of Merit Challenge, graduate to the Challenge Tour. And you have to be, the prize money is very top heavy. So you have to kind of win. If you don't win, then you're probably not going to be top five at the end of the year because guys can kind of, you could make every cut and finish 10th and have someone who misses every cut but wins once and finishes second once and he'll be ahead of you kind of thing. Um, So you have to have that mindset of it's a developmental tour. It's, imagine football, it's like playing in League One. So it's the third kind of below the Premier League and championship. Um, but you've also got to respect it. And there's a lot of good players there. And there's guys who've been on tour and they've come back and they're back on Europe Pro, but they've they've won on the European tour. So people know how to play. And um, I finished second twice in my first year. Both times, no, probably once. Had a Well, I, sh- I probably should have won the golf tournament. I had a three-shot lead with eight to play and didn't. And at the time I just remember thinking it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, People talk about bottling it and I well and truly bottled it. (laughs) And I will happily (laughs) say that I was, I was cacking my pants kind of thing the last few hours. (laughs) Cause I remember my first Jamaica tour event as a pro and I think I picked up about 450 quid. And I remember my entry was about, I'd literally profited maybe after my week's spent expenditure, maybe about a tenner. But just that first check of oh I've made I've made a professional and it was just like oh like that was it was a it was a feeling like you kind of and then you just get I remember making my first check for about a thousand pounds and it was like oh okay even though after your week's expenditure you're not getting anywhere near that. But it was kind of just like every time trying to learn from it and getting more comfortable making a bit more and actually because people say you don't think of it all of that and you as obviously a psych you know golfers we are going to think of that people ask me about do I look at leaderboards and stuff like that and it's like I do absolutely I spent my whole childhood dreaming of when I'm going to be a professional golfer and getting to see my name on a leaderboard when I see it I'm going to look at it kind of thing so actually it's a case of learning how to control it and kind of um, embracing the situation and I, I love being nervous now I, I absolutely thrive off it I think if nerves come well it's obviously a good thing because I must be by the I must be up by the lead, you know what I mean so they're the, they're the situations you want to be in and what's the worst that can happen, well you lose okay we go again like, and you kind of you just learn from your mistakes basically so yeah, finished second twice and learned from that. And then I remember that um, last season on Euro Pro and I went into that. I was quite gutted that I didn't get my challenge card, but I wanted to kind of go into last season with a different mindset. I wanted to say, I'm here and I am I want people to kind of know that I'm here. Um, just because I've turned pro that first year, I actually started like looking around and seeing what everyone else was doing. I actually kind of said, no, like you want to be the person who everyone else is looking at and saying, Oh, what's he doing? And I just had a very mo- strong mindset like that. I, I took a caddy on. Um, so I invested some of my sponsorship in that. Um, because I kind of just had the mindset of in this game, you got to spend money to make money. So I wanted to kind of have a caddy and the biggest thing I said, there's no reason, even though I'm not a top 10 player in the world, there's no reason why I can't act like it. And I, I, there's no reason, even though I'm playing on Europa, there's no reason I can't act at these tournaments like I'm playing in a major or I'm playing on the European Tour. And that was my biggest mindset. And I, I was actually doing some work with you at the time and we, we kind of put a little plan in place with, and I still do it now, um, the back of my uh, pin sheet, I'll. If we, it works for me, like tick off, um, have how many fairways I'm going to hit, how many birdies I want to make that day and tick them off as I go along. Cause it kind of makes me focus on that. And that makes me focus on the shot to shot instead of just kind of being out there and not kind of know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just had a really good start to the year in Europe. I had a couple of seconds and then eventually won. And it was like the monkey was kind of off my back and probably should have won a couple more times. I didn't, but, um, then I was lucky enough to, um, Halfway through the year, already secured that I was going to be top five, which meant that I could go and play on the challenge tour and I had an invite. And um, that kind of mindset on the challenge tour of um, that first invite was just, I had to finish top 10 to get into the next week. I I only had one invite. So I always like kind of having to do something when my back's against the wall, I kind of tend to pull it out and um, finish top 10 That first week, um, which got me into Belgium the next week. And then I went to Belgium. And I remember I was tied for the lead at 18 under par after three rounds, shot 66, 65, 64, and finished top five in that week, which got me into the next week in France. And then all of a sudden I was finishing top 10 to get into the next week because I had to. And um, (laughs) then got my better category on the challenge tour. And um, a little story, just a quick one that, is my favorite story since turning pro. And it sounds so ridiculous. It's mine and my caddy's favorite story, but not literally no one knows about this. Like you say, everyone remembers the real highs and your great rounds. Mm. And it's one of the the highest scores I've shot as a pro. But that first top 10 in Northern Ireland on the challenge tour, um, I remember shooting five under the first round and I was in second and I go out the second day and um, it's actually the World Invitational hosted by Modest Golf, who I'm now signed to, but at the time that no, I wasn't. Um, so I'm I'm playing around, and like I say, start of the day I'm in second place, um, and I'm eight over par after 15 holes. And I, it was I was not playing that bad. It was just playing quite tough, and we weren't quite getting the wind right. And I was I just I just felt like I was getting screwed that day like and we all know as golfers that can happen to us golf is the hardest game in the world and um, I remember being on the 16th tee and I was outside the cut line I think by three shots and my caddy, caddy literally looked at me and just said like you know what you've got to do like you always seem to do something when you have to and something just switched and I remember 16 hitting my drive in the fairway Hitting my nine iron to about two foot, knocking it in for birdie. Seventeen, hit my drive down the fairway. Hit my pitching wedge to a foot, birdie. Eighteen, par five. hitting the longest drive I've ever hit. You normally hit three wood in. I hit six iron into about seven foot and actually missed to finish birdie, birdie, eagle. But I made, I finished birdie, birdie, birdie to make the cut on the number. So to shoot five over, and then had a good weekend finished 10th which got me into Belgium yeah so like I said I mean I don't I don't I don't want to feel like I'm just talking about myself because but something like that I feel like in terms of Staffordshire golfers especially juniors can kind of really if you can kind of learn from that at a young age that one there's no race there's no rush just just keep getting better. That's it's doesn't matter. It's, I mean, actually I think the people who kind of achieve quite a lot at young age, it can hurt you. I'm glad I I wouldn't change what's happened to me at all, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just going back to that round of golf, it was just a little moment. And like I said, I'm eight over par, like when people and bearing in mind, I was, I was in second and now I'm outside the cut and it's kind of just so easy to think, Oh, I'll just go back to the Euro Pro where I was comfortable, finish the year on there, get my top five and um, where I was already secure. But it was kind of like, actually, no, let's, while we're here, you've still got three holes and you never know what's going to happen. And birded them three, which got me into the next week, almost won in Belgium. Next week, shot 64 the second round to make the cut. Finished, I think, 11th or 12th. Top t- didn't top 10 to get into the next week, but the challenge tour saw that. Uh, and then they gave me two more invites. I ended up playing seven events on the challenge tour and finishing 64th on the rankings, which got me inside the top 70, which was category 10 on the challenge tour, which was better than the, the category you get than finishing top five on the Euro pro, which meant this year I was gonna, it was gonna basically secure. I was gonna get in all the events Because I finished, because I have had Category 10 this year, I managed to get into the two co-sanction events, which one of them I almost won and finished second. So going back, if I don't finish birdie, 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 when I'm eight over, I wouldn't have played in Austria this year. And I wouldn't now have finished top five because I wouldn't have been in the event. So wow. it's kind of like for me, it's a case of actually, yeah, okay, You always remember your great rounds, but actually, that's that is my proudest moment because my back was firmly against the wall, and I was, I was playing, I was eight over par. And I was playing horrendous, and I still, okay, yes, yeah, someone would look and think, oh, he shot seventy five, he shot five over. But for me, it's it was a big thing, and um, it kind that was the moment for me that kind of really kicked me on, mm. um, and kind of proved to me that. I I do have that extra gear when I need it Um, and it's it's exciting. And like I said, I'm at the very, very start of what hopefully is a really long and amazing career. But um, I think it's important to kind of always remember where you come from and um, just those little moments. I mean, in everything everyone does, there's all, you always have them, I call them little light bulb moments. And that for me has been the biggest one. There's been a couple more had one this year in Austria um, with Connor and um, my, Connor's my caddy and um, obviously had an amazing year last year. I was absolutely gutted that I didn't get my card at tour school. Um, I changed a couple of things at the end of the year, which I shouldn't have done, but I've learned from that now. And um, I kind of, I really got off to a rough start this year. I was struggling in South Africa um, first time over there. So yes, it is, Tough, it's different, but I was really not in a very good place. I wasn't in a good place with my swing. Um, and then obviously, Covid happened and we didn't have any events, and that for me came at quite a good time because I was struggling and I had some work to do on my mental game and actual games and my swing. So I did all that in my garden, like a lot of people, but um, then went out to Austria for the first event and um. Missed the cut again, but actually felt like I played quite well. And a couple of shots here and there. And I remember we got to the second event and we sit, I'm sitting there with my caddy. And um, he just asked me like, he kind of just like, what's going on? And I was just, I didn't really know. Whereas last year, I always knew like, uh, what, where we were at and so mm-hmm. on. And I didn't really know what to say. And he just said like, we were sitting there and we were watching the PJ tour. And Colin Murakawa was on the TV. Sam Burns was up. Colin Marikau and Sam Burns were both up by the leaders, and he literally said to me, two years ago, you were or three years ago. You were playing these guys in the Palmer Cup in America. You beat Sam Burns. You're playing Marikau and the foursomes. These guys are now on the PJ Tour. Winners. Marikau has got a major, and you're you've just missed four cuts in a row this year, and and you're struggling. And it was just like you need to have the mindset of you you can win, and you." you're good enough and I it, again it was a little light bulb moment we had like a bit of a heart to heart and um that's why I feel so lucky to have him on my bag because it's more than just a caddy and player relate it's more than just a business relationship with what a lot of players have with their caddies there's there's a lot more to it like I said I mean he goes through all the highs and all the lows mm. and there's a lot more there's a lot more lows and highs and <laughs> people all realize mm. if they choose to kind of um turn pro and
0: kind of go through it but um do you need that friendship yeah, just, on tour? Do you need that friendship there that you guys have got the close friendship and the understanding to have those heart to heart to get you through the tough times?
1: I think it depends on you. I think I don't think there's a right answer to that. I personally, I'm not there. To, I have, I have players that I'm very I, I get on well with, and I, I there's players who go out on tour and a lot of their best friends are out there. Mm. My my friends are at home, I grew up with them. They're all normal lads doing, I mean, my best mate's a prison officer, um, so on. So I like coming home and having my friends. So when I'm out on tour, I don't kind of, I don't wanna be trying to be best friends of everyone. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is I'm trying to beat them. So I find it weird that I'm then gonna be best mates, but my caddy who's on my team, um, yeah, I think for me it is important. Like I say, some players like to have just a business relationship with their caddy and they they hang around with players and then they meet their caddy at the course. Whereas I'm kind of, I don't want to be that way. And I've, I did try that in South Africa and I hated it. Um, with me and my caddy, like I say, we have, he gets me, we bring the best out of each other. And just for us, that's what works. So I think, like you said, there's no right or wrong. Everyone's different. And I've kind of figured out quite early on that, what works for me and how I Mm. want to work being that way. I much prefer it. And there's no getting past it. It's a very lonely place out there, especially when you're playing bad, which is going to happen at times. So when you are, you need, (laughs) you do need someone. Mm. Um, I mean, mental health is a massive thing that people talk about nowadays. Um, athletes, yeah, they're prone to it kind of thing. It's tough, especially like you say, when, Um, things aren't going your way and you're Mm -hmm. kind of devoting your life to something and it's seems to just not be happening. But um, the good times and the positive times and your successes kind of make everything worthwhile. And that's what, that's what keeps me going. Kind of thing. Um, I love that it is a journey and there's going to be the highs and there's going to be the lows. And like you say, when you get successes, it, it kind of makes everything worthwhile. So
0: Amazing. But let's talk about that that kind of success and that next step that you're going on at the moment. How how are your thoughts or your feelings from that graduation from the, the challenge tour now onto the European tour? What, what 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 has kind of really stood out for you?
1: Um, I think it's important to kind of just sometimes sit back and reflect and look at how far you have come, kind of mm. thing. And, and me, yes, it has been quite quick. Um it's always been a dream and it's, it's something I am really proud of, but like I say, it's not, it's not just me. Mm -hmm. It's, there's a lot of people who have been a part of it, um, since I was a kid. Um, so like I say, that's why I want to give back. And hopefully, like I say, eventually I'll, I mean, I am, I'm, (laughs) I'm a nobody right now, but I do want to be I want to go kind of as far as I can go in this game and like kind of my goals and stuff like that. I like to keep quite internal. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyone who knows me on a personal level knows that I am a very confident person. And, um, some people probably used to think I was quite arrogant and stuff. And I think I've kind of come out of that. And, um, I'm at a stage now where, like I say, I just know that I work hard. And I've got some great people around me, and um, and I'm happy as well. I think that's a big part of it. Um, like you say, you've got to you've got to have that balance. Um, and like I say, it's you are the one hitting the shots and the one who probably gets all the attention and the success. But there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and um, there's no kind of. I don't think you can ever lose sight of that, really. So. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and honestly a joy to listen. So I could sit here and listen to you all
2: night. So it's been
0: amazing. Malcolm, do you want to finish
2: and add anything? I, I, I just find it absolutely fascinating. I think there's a, for, for, the, for the viewers, for the listeners, I think there's three or four things that are really key. First of all, you've got to have talent. Secondly, you've got to have a good work ethic. Thirdly, you've got to have belief. And fourth, for me... What Richard is doing, he's learning his trade. It doesn't matter whether you're a carpenter, whether you're an accountant, you have to learn your trade. Richard is learning year by year, hence the reason he's achieving. I wish him all the best for 2021. And any of you juniors that are out here looking at watching this, this is what you need to do if you want to have a career as a professional golfer. Mm. I wish everybody a Merry Christmas.
0: Malcolm, thank yeah. you so much. Richard, thank you so much again, So, I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great Christmas, but most importantly, we hope you have a real successful 2021 on the European Tour, mate. Thank you so much.
1: No, I appreciate that. And I, lastly, like I said, I'd just like to finish. I mean, I, I, if it's junior golfers or whoever's listening, there's, um, I know as juniors there's a lot of people that think – Uh, We always think we know everything and stuff. But the the biggest thing that I can say is just kind of always have an open ear and just take advice where you can. And um, if you kind of keep that mindset and just because people are going to give you advice doesn't mean you have to listen to it, but allow it to kind of come in. And sometimes you might hear something from someone um, who it kind of really can help. And especially the guys playing for the county guys like you lot don't have to do it kind of thing. And um, kind of just have that appreciation where we, they're all, you're all just looking out for players and kind of trying to give them the opportunity to succeed. So um, kind of welcome it with open arms and just work hard. And you don't want to look back in 10 years and think, oh, I wish I did that. And that's kind of my always, I kind of go back to, I don't want to get back, I don't want to look back in a few years and think I should have worked harder and have any regrets. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed 2021 looks better for everyone. And uh, we can all start enjoying our golf again again, and going in the clubhouse after and having a beer and all <laughs> of that, because I know we can't at the minute. But um, no, so like I said, I mean, it was the least I could do. And thank you for having me. So, Thank you, mate. Really
0: appreciate you. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching out there. Um, and we'll we'll see you again soon.